Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Fantastic. Well, let's jump into the Word. And I'd love you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60. And we're going to read the first five verses and going to ask God just to really open this up in our hearts. And this is what it says. If you have your Bibles, read along. It'll be on the screen or you can just listen up. It says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. How beautiful is that scripture? And uh, this morning, I want to preach a word called arise and shine. And I'd just love to pray over this as we, are, as we consider what it says. So Lord, I just want to thank You so much that every time we open Your Scriptures that You show Yourself to us and You help us to see You more clearly. And I just thank You that this morning, God, we would have a greater understanding of who You are, of Your nature, of Your character, of Your heart for each one of us. And I pray God would leave this place, God, with faith in our hearts for what You're doing, God, in our lives and through our church. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Amen. Well, I, uh, I'm one of three boys. Um, my mum's my hero. <laughs> Any, uh, I think Fee Thomas, my mum, Fee Thomas, any mum of boys out there, I'm just like, respect, right? Um, when you grow up with brothers, you like, uh, you, you end up just having a lot of stories, right? So um, my, my mum has been to hospital so many times with my brothers and I, right? Um, we throughout, you know, uh, life have often hurt ourselves and often had a lot of fun. Now, the thing, I, I know about, you know, uh, my experience is that the oldest brother generally sets the course, right? The oldest brother generally goes uh, a direction and the other brothers dutifully follow. Take my, my job, um, you know, story for an example. My oldest brother, first job he ever had, uh, Andrew Monahan, you like this. He was a chemist delivery boy. Chemist delivery boy. And uh, he did that for a little while until I, you know, was old enough to also work as a chemist delivery boy. And, uh, and when I became a chemist delivery boy, I was working two days a week. Hey, can I just backtrack a second? Fee Thomas is not my mum. Fee Thomas is the mum of three boys. <laughs> my mum is also the mum of three boys. And any other mums of boys out there, give us a wave. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I've lost some people here. Love you, Fee, and you're like a second mum, but, uh, but any mum of boys is, uh, is incredible. Now, let me just pick up the story again. My oldest brother works at a chemist, and I get the Tuesday, Thursday shifts, two hours a day, $6 an hour. Uh, I'm making literally 24 bucks a week. I am cheering, right? When you are 14 years old and you're making 24 bucks a week, you are a happy camper. You can save up for things. It's amazing. My brother went on to get a job at Macca's. Anyone work at Macca's out there? Amazing, yes. Now, I worked at Macca's for about four years because my older brother worked there and I followed him into it. After my brother finished school, he worked at a, uh, a, an organisation called Sold Out Event Management. And, uh, you know, after not long, when I finished school, I also went and worked for these guys. Literally, wherever my brother went, I went. 
Now that's good in some regards, unless your older brother is running headlong (laughs) into a life uh, that is not probably the best life you could live. Now, my parents, beautiful people, mum and dad, they, they are amazing parents, but we hit this age. My brother's about 15. And he starts to sort of dabble in things that are not really good for him, not, not particularly healthy, right? And he's around a group of friends. They're smoking a lot of weed. Uh, they're sort of getting you know, caught up in a whole bunch of gear that they probably shouldn't. And as I shared before, your older brother sort of sets the pace. Now, I'm a bit younger than him, about 13 years old, but my brother's full scale going down that direction. He's my hero. I'll quickly follow him as well. My younger brother, who's about four years younger than me, uh, he's the creative one of the, the bunch. He, he deeply feels life and, you know, he would have followed us probably more passionately into those things than my brother or I. Now, in this time, my mom and dad, they start to ask the question, wait a second, what are we going to do here? How do we help our children? You see, my mom had a very genuine faith. She was raised in a Catholic family and uh, her faith was very real. Uh, my father, my brothers and I, maybe a bit more nominal in our attendance at, at Mass, you know, we'd go for a christening or, or whatnot, but it wasn't a part of our lives. And my mom and dad stepped back and they could see my brothers and I heading full tilt for, this, for the darkness of the world. They can see where it's heading, their hearts are breaking and they don't know what to do. And, you know, we just read a scripture here that talks about this. It says, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. And I think you would agree with me that right now in our world, that there is darkness. There are people that are lost, that are looking for something. They're, they're adrift in, in, in the darkness, hoping to find, to find a way forward. There is darkness right now that we can see. Now, like uh, we can see around the world, this was a real thing for my family. And it was in the midst of this darkness that my mum and dad saw a light emanating from a land far, far away called Sutherland. Because <laughs> when you grow up, you grow up in Caringbar. I don't think I'd ever visited Sutherland before in my life. It, it was the ends of the earth, right? But they had heard that there was a church full of young people. And because there was this church full of young people, my mum and dad said, this is like so different to anything they have ever known or experienced, you know, uh, in terms of church and the idea of God. But because young people were there and they saw this like flicker of hope, this light in the distance of a place where young people are not heading full long into darkness, but they seem to be heading to a life of purpose. They decide we need to go and check this out. And through a series of circumstances, find themselves here one Sunday morning, my mom, my dad and my younger brother. Now, my mom and my dad walk into our church and, you know, if you're new to our church, you'll agree it's a pretty passionate place. People are singing and hands are raised and people are going for it. All I remember about singing in church was how embarrassing, how embarrassed I was when my granddad at Mass would sing out loud. And I'm like, oh my gosh, granddad, shh. No one else is singing in this whole church. And then you are belting out the hymns, right? I'm just like, this is terrible. Then my mom and dad walk into this place and people are going for it. They are, they are doing this like they believe it, Right. And my mom and dad that very morning have an amazing encounter with Jesus, like a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And they look at each other and they are just like, this is what we've been looking for. They experienced the light of the Lord. They experienced the glory of the Lord. This light shines upon them and their lives are transformed forever. Now what happens is they go to our kids program and pick up my younger brother. 
Now, I didn't realise this till many years later. I mean, just literally a couple of years ago. I was talking to my mum about it and she goes, I'll never forget that day when I went to get James from the kids' ministry. And, you know, they were a little bit worried about him. He's a bit of a pensive young guy. And as I said, he's an amazing, he's an actor right now. He's creative. He's got this beautiful artistic uh, side to him. And she said it was, it was almost like he was a little bit sad, you know, in his eyes. And they were thinking, what can we do? And they said, I just remember picking him up. And it was like, it was like this veil had been removed. And it was like he had come alive. And we saw after being in that kids' ministry that he was just alive. Something in his eyes had, come, had brightened up. And my mum and dad said, because of what they saw in my brother's eyes, they decided that this is where we need to be. So mum and dad say, I'm going to go get the other two and bring them along to church this, tonight, right? So they go home. They're like, boys, you've got to come to this church. And we're like, oh, please, No. <laughs> mom and dad, please. So mom and dad are like, you've got to come. So we're like, all right, we'll come. We come. It's crazy. Young people out the front jumping around. If you've been to our Sunday nights, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's energy in the place. And I just remember this is so far from anything I've experienced. I'm just sort of in a bit of shell shock, just like what is going on? I was embarrassed when my granddad was singing. We're talking hundreds of people here going for it. People are raising their hands. It blew my mind, right? My older brother the same. So we went away and I just remember in my heart just having this, this sort of thing start to flicker. What's going on here? Why are these people so passionate? Is there something happening here that I'm like not a part of that I, I could be a part of? So I started to get you know, a bit curious. And for me personally, it took about three weeks. But on the third week, I remember just having this moment in the service where I was like, I need this. I need this. What, what these people have, I need it. And I responded in my heart to Jesus. And the preacher gave an opportunity, which I'll actually give at the end of the service as well, for anyone who was like, I need this. And they led us in a simple prayer to receive Jesus. And it was the beginning. It's like the lights came on for me. It was like the light of the Lord. I experienced it for myself. The glory of God, I experienced it for myself. And that was the beginning of the rest of my life. And my older brother... He was a little bit, uh, a little bit t- more tough <laughs> to sort of get over the line. Basically, for the next six months, my dad, who had become ultra-passionate Christian prayer, right, is like, Tom, he's going to come. He's going to get to know Jesus, right? So we would have these prayer meetings in our house where dad would be praying. He's like, all right, let's all pray for your brother Tom, right? So we'd be praying for Tom. And, uh, and, and, and Tom didn't want a part of it. He didn't want to be... Uh, we want to be here, you know, he was like, no, I want to just go and like run wild. I don't want to become a Christian. I don't want to become a Christian, right? But about six months later, my dad was like, if you're living in my house, you have to come to church on a Sunday, right? He used the resources available to him to sort of make it happen. So my brother's coming along begrudgingly and, uh, you know, God's obviously doing a deep work in him and he's fighting it. He's resisting it. He's like got an idea of what he wants and God's starting to knock on the door of his heart and one day, this preacher, who was really intense, he gets up and he's like, at the end of the service, he's like, listen, I don't want anyone to close their eyes. I don't want anyone to bow their head. If you can't stand up for Jesus in church, how can you stand up for Jesus out there, right? So he's like, if you need to stand up and become a Christian right now in front of everyone, with everyone watching, stand up, right? And the whole church is like, whoa, okay. So no one stands up. Everyone's freaked out, right? And uh, except my brother, out of nowhere, is just like, stands up. Hey, so good, right? And he stands up and he probably needed that kind of like rebellious nature. Like, I'm going to stand up. I don't want to do this, right? And he stands up and it was the beginning of his rest of his life. 
And uh, what's amazing is my family have continued to walk with God through all the seasons of life and the challenges of life and different phases of life and faith and whatnot. My oldest brother is actually um, the chairman of, a, of, the, of the board of a church up in uh, the North Shore. And uh, he continues just to be used powerfully in, 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 in God in that way. It's amazing just to see from where we were to where we've come. It's actually hard to imagine what my life might have looked like if we had not discovered Jesus when we did. Like, like you know, I know, everything's redeemable and be encouraged. If you have a son or a child that is wayward right now, God can reach the hardest heart. There is no one too far from Him. But I remember we were on this precipice and I'm, I'm telling, I reckon it was a matter of month, months before we crossed into this stage of life that would have had serious ramifications on what we experienced, right? You know, I literally the week that I made a decision for Jesus, the week, the Wednesday before the Sunday, my friends had, um, had the first time smoking weed, right? And they said, look, I told them not to do it. And then they said, they came back to school and they said, guess what we did yesterday? We, we smoked, right? And I just remember being like, next time they ask, I'm going to say yes, right? That was Wednesday. That Sunday was the night where I was like, I need Jesus. The next day, Monday, I go to school and they're like, oh, the Savo, we're all heading down to this abandoned KFC. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And they're like, come with us. We've got, you know, Luke was able to get us some stuff. And I remember just having this moment. And I believe now as I look back at it, it was the Holy Spirit that has actually given to me at that moment of faith where I just was like, you know, having gone from next time they ask, I'll say yes to, I don't know where this conviction came from, but just like a, no, I'm, I'm not going down that path, eh? And I actually just think my life would have been so different. So different if we had not encountered the love of God. Now, there is no doubt that it was Jesus who transformed my family. He is the light. And, you know, and when we're actually talking about this Scripture in Isaiah 60, this Scripture finds its fulfilment in Jesus and the church. So when you read Isaiah 59, it starts talking about the Redeemer and the Spirit. So this isn't just about the exiles returning from uh, ex the Israelites returning from exile. It's also about the rising of the church, where we will know Him and He will be with us. So the light of God, the glory of God, is what transformed our lives. But it was through this beautiful church that my family and I, my brothers, and now our families, have been so impacted by God's glory. I am eternally grateful to God for our church. You know, in my life <laughs> and in countless other lives over the last 72 years, this church has been a beacon of light in a dark world. So many have found faith or had their faith strengthened here over many years. Now, the thing about being a part of a church that is 70 plus years old is that regardless of who you are, except maybe Frank Moore over here, who I'd just like to honour, uh, you know, Frank is 108 years old. And an amazing part of our church. <laughs> you know, pretty much no matter who, who else, you know, who, whoever else you are, no matter who you are, you've walked into this church when it was established to a degree. Whether you're in the early part or you've come in the last week, you have walked into something that other people have faithfully committed themselves to build and be a part of. Uh, we are all recipients of a previous generation's sacrifices. You know, my family and I had nothing to do with this church when we walked in. Like we were just fresh in and we were just welcomed. <laughs> we were like, we, there, there was no expectation on us. 
There was no door charge. There was no fee to be a part of the club. There was no required giving that was necessary for you to enjoy what's going on here. We were like, hey, you're welcome. You don't have to do a thing. You are our guest. You can come and experience the love of God. And our church welcomed us arms to my family. In fact, our church, we like, we, we went to everything. We milked the cow like you wouldn't believe, right? We were like, mate, camps, Sunday services, prayer meetings, youth, kids ministry, life groups. We were at everything. We were all in and our church embraced us at that time. But something happens when you experiencing when you experience the light of God in your own life. You see, our church exists to share the light of the Lord with a broken world in the, into the darkness that people are. And because of that light, people will come from afar. But something happens when you are a recipient of that light yourself. Now let's read the Scripture again. Isaiah 60 verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Now the best way to understand this verse is to sort of look at it in order. Um, Because, you know, the first thing we read is arise, shine. But chronologically, the arising and the shining is actually a response to His light coming. Arise, shine, for your light has come. So what first happens is the light of God is shone and it hits a heart. It comes alive. And then because it's come alive, you now begin to arise and shine. The arising and the shining is the response of the the presence of God in your life. You know, it's in this verse that we sort of see the function of the church is to receive His light and then to become a reflector of His light. And so as you become somebody who's received and experienced the light of God, you are able to then arise and shine so that others, nations, sons and daughters who are distant, but nations, those that know nothing of the culture of of the church would see it and come that my parents would hear about a church full of young people and come along one morning, that a kid's ministry would see a young man experience the love of God and be transformed forever and and, and welcome them into the house of God. When we understand the order, we understand that first we receive the light of God. There is nothing you do uh, to earn that or you don't deserve it. It's a gift from God to you. And if you're in the room this morning, you got to know you are the recipient of God's love. He looks at you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. There is nothing you need to do to be a part of what God's doing here. You are so welcome just as you are, regardless of what your histories look like. This is your home. But very quickly, what you find is when you experience that love, you are desperate to share that love. Now, I remember going along to Life Group because I couldn't go to Friday nights because I played rugby, right? And I used to play, I was a fullback and I used to play Friday night rugby. And so I went to Life Group for about six months before I ever went along to a youth service. When I finally went along to a Friday night youth service, I was so blown away by, you know, what I experienced there, the power of God and the community that I went on this rampage through my school to get everyone to youth. And uh, there is no greater inviter than a person who has recently experienced the love of God. And recently isn't just a, a time thing, it's a proximity thing. I know there's people who have been saved for 20, 30 years and they are passionate about bringing people to church because it's alive for them. It's real for them. It's recent for them. But for me, I just went on this rampage to bring my friends to know the love of God. And I was so grateful that I had a youth ministry to bring them to. Because I'm brand new. I didn't know much about my faith, but I knew I could get them along to a place where there'll be a a leader, one of my life group leaders would be able to talk to them. My friends would be able to encourage them, that their questions would be able to be answered, that this ministry would be able to provide a place for them to experience the love of God. And what we're seeing here in Isaiah 60 is God telling those people who have experienced His light 
to now arise and shine. And I want to just quickly, I'm not going to spend too much time, but if, you, if you're new to our church, you might not know about our, our beautiful, rich heritage uh, over the last 70 or so years. Our church was founded um, by a pastor, Norm, um, uh, by the name of Norm Armstrong and his family. And it was over in Sutherland Arts Centre. And back in the day, I think it was 1949, uh, Norm Armstrong felt, uh, this is what he felt, it's a ho- that he wanted to create, felt God prompted him to create a Holy Spirit witness to Greater Southern Sydney. Now, Pastor Norm Armstrong didn't know <laughs> my family and I at that time in the year 2000, 51 years later, would need this church, but God did. God knew every single person who's here, your story, and the fact that you would need uh, our church to shine that light. You know, this group of um, committed people that went from seven people, I think the first Sunday, slowly grew to this place where they were like, we actually need to buy some land and build our own church so that we can facilitate what God's doing here. And so uh, they bought 7 Stapleton Avenue, which is the block of land that we're on right now. And they built this little chapel. It was probably over about here somewhere, Right. And this little chapel was literally built by the church, as in, you know, they would take up an offering, then they would go that week to the hardware, then they'd buy all the bits and pieces, and then they would come back and they would have a big working bee, and they would physically put brick on brick, build, you know, beam by beam that chapel. And then, you know, having committed themselves to the building project, they would next week receive another offering to pay for that week's bricks, and they would come back and they would physically, you know, build, and then they'd have lunch together, and they could... This community of beautiful, faith-filled people who are our, you know, our heritage owned the season and committed themselves to that process. And I can imagine once that church was finished and they were in there, just the, the life and the pride and the, the love and the excitement to be able to gather in this place. And I can imagine people bringing friends and one by one, more people getting saved, more people experiencing the love of God and that church growing. And it grew to the point over a number of years where we needed to rebuild again. So they built a large hall space and over the years, two or three building programs took place until in the year 2000 when my family rocked up, there was this massive hall, there was this tiny hall and there was a bunch of like offices in this weird labyrinth of, <laughs> you know, you could tell this place hadn't been planned. It was like Sydney streets, right? It's just like, it wasn't built for this many people. It's just like progressively little bits have been added until it was what it was. And I remember early on when I first came to church, the, the vision was cast to build what we experience here today. And I remember in my heart, working at Macca's, thinking, I want to be a part of this. I've received so much because of the faithfulness and the generosity of the generations gone past. I now get to be a part of that for the next generation. And so we undertook this building program where we went over to the entertainment centre for about six weeks. And during that time, the foyer was turned into a mini auditorium. And, uh, and then we moved back into the, to the foyer and we had four services a Sunday, morning and afternoon uh, services. And those services were jam-packed. Meanwhile, this whole section was being built. And I remember one particular, after one Sunday service, we had arranged with the builders that the church could come in and before they put the beams up that, that hold the roof up, they were laying along the ground. Some of you will remember this. And we were all given Sharpies. And that week we were encouraged that this Sunday, we're gonna be writing the prayers and the promises that God gives us for our church on these beams. So come ready. And so that way, how cool is that, right? And so right now, above us on those beams are the handwriting of a generation who had faith to believe. You know, I've got, yeah, how good's that? Some of those that were here can remember that. 
And so many of those prayers have already been answered. So many of those prayers, we've seen miracles. Some of those are still yet to come. I've got names of people that are in my family and, and friends that I'm believing to know the love of God right now up on those beams. And before they got painted and put up, our church, you know, in faith wrote that saying, this is what we're believing will happen in this house. And, uh, and a little while later, it went up and it started to get built now. Um, you know, it was walled off. It was sort of like this, you're not allowed in there, right? The big reveal. Who knows when you're building something, it's got to be this big reveal. And uh, what happened one day, I'm not yet youth pastor, but I'm a youth leader. And my friend and I, Greg, we went up to our executive pastor's office to put something down and noticed that there was a bit of a gap in the wall in his office. And so we're like, I wonder where that goes. So we popped our head in. And then we like realised if we shimmied down between two like, you know, uh, two like half constructed walls, we popped out and no joke, they'd already had the, the lights on. So it was this, this raw timber, um, no seats, no nothing, just like, like plywood everywhere, auditorium, this big. And you, sh- oh my gosh. That moment when we were just like, we emerged and we were just like, oh. it's like the forbidden fruit, right? It's like, we're not allowed here, but this is amazing. Anyway, when you know something like, you can't keep it to yourself, you know what I'm saying? So, so we're like, Greg, we can't tell anyone. He's like, yeah, yeah, we can't tell anyone. We go out and then I see Greg talking to someone and I'm like, you told him, eh? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's just, we'll take just that one, right? So then we go back up and we start to like walk through, check it out. And we just couldn't help ourselves. We started to go through all of our close friends and like, and we, you know, because of the nature of getting in there through this sort of back way, it became known as Narnia. And uh, <laughs> so words started to get out. It was like, have you been to Narnia yet? And people are like, I haven't been to Narnia. So I'm like, oh, I'll tell you what, I know a guy, right? So, so we would just take people until one fateful evening, we, we, we go in with a tour <laughs> to Narnia. And, uh, and after this beautiful tour, we shimmy our way back out <laughs> into our executive pastor's office, which now has the executive pastor in it. Right? And we're like, oh, and Rowan is just standing there like this, just waiting. And one by one, all like four of us, we're just like, oh, uh, just slowly like just, he's like, what are you doing? We're like, <laughs> had nothing to say. And he's like, guys, can't do that. Of course, we got in trouble and the wall was patched up and that was the end of Narnia for a while, right? But I remember it and I remember being a part of it and actually since a young age, knowing what it is to build something that was going to house, something that was going to transform lives. And, you know, to be honest, when it comes to, my, my giving, I'm, I'm 15, I work at Macca's. Let's be honest, I probably paid for like a chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it wasn't, there were people making far greater contributions than me, but my faith was on par. My commitment to our house was on par. For me, it was a, I am in because I believe in what God's doing here. I have received so much because of what God's done in my life through this place. Now, I want to be a part of providing that and seeing that happen for others. And, you know, eventually we, we moved in and we are now enjoying that. And part of our, our offering is to, um, you know, uh, uh, accommodate what we've got here in our Sutherland campus. And, you know, even just, just quickly, like if you've just come in the last few years, you know, as a new, new Christian, new people pastor, one of the things I get to do is talk to people who are new and hear about their experiences. The amount of people, who have said the kids' ministry here has absolutely blown us away. My kids love church. This is why we're planted. It blows your mind. But what's amazing is that basement that you drop your kids off to uh, for, for our Brave program, <clears throat> it was only a few years ago that didn't exist. Prior to that, 
you had to literally take uh, your kids up to the community centre. We would hire the community centre up the road. So as a parent, you would drop your kid off up the road in a separate building. Then you'd come back to church. And then afterwards, you'd pick your kid up. And instead of coming back and enjoying the fellowship, you'd head to your car and shoot off. And we knew that we needed to see the kids' ministry on our property. And it was actually one of these June offerings that allowed us to do the work that we did down there that now not only serves our amazing kids' ministry, but literally I run our college every single week, all week. We are down there with a bunch of students who are learning the things of God and growing in their gifts and their skills. On Friday nights, it's used for one of our youth programs and the encounters that are happening down there and the the connections that are happening down there are amazing. Just last Friday night, gone, we had a uh, half night of prayer from nine till midnight where about 100 people across the night praying for for the things of our church. It's a room that has been a huge blessing and it's a blessing because people rose up and were a part of what God is doing. Not only that, uh, you know, what we see here in our Sutherland campus, but, you know, one of the things you will hear about our church is that we believe that campuses house the harvest. You know, we're, we're at the beginning of a 10-year journey where we, which we have called the decade of harvest. We believe that there's many people that are going to come to know the love of God and the light of God. And we believe that part of the way that God has led us to see that and to be fruitful in that way is to have campuses. And I'm telling you, after visiting these campuses over the last couple of weeks, we're seeing it. There's this one lady that I met two weeks ago in Dunsborough. Her name is Ella, and uh, El- uh, sorry, Ellen. And Ellen, uh, basically, she had this chronic back pain for about five years, like debilitating, stuck in bed, whole family. She's got three kids. Her husband's stressed because, you know, he's having to help with the family so much to give her space. And one day after she starts coming to Dunsborough, our team pray with her and her back is healed. Like fully healed. How good is that? Let's praise God. (laughs) Fully healed to the point where her husband, who didn't have any faith, couldn't reconcile the fact that one day she was immobile and the next day she was healthy. Um, The the week that I, I went to that church, she said, Hey, I just wanted to tell you, um, we just met. She goes, I just want to also let you know that um, this week, uh, I actually prayed with my husband a prayer to receive Jesus into his life at home. So we're talking, this lady has led her husband to God because the light has shone in her life and he has seen it and he has come, been drawn to what God has done in her life. You know, St. Andrews, uh, just last week when I was there, the Friday prior to the Sunday, they had had their biggest ever youth night. And it wasn't so long ago that that wasn't even an expression of Horizon Church. And now there are literally dozens of teenagers who are coming and bringing friends from the local high schools to be a part of an awesome program. People are being impacted by our campuses. And online, Jackson shared the story already of people who are you know, in other parts of the world and right across regional Australia, also connecting to the love of God through our campuses. You know, these transformed lives are why we exist. And anyone who, you know, has, been, has joined our church in the last 72 years has been blessed by our church because a generation before us faithfully rose up and were a part of creating a space for us to encounter His love. And our church is, is so blessed because we're building on those shoulders. And here we find ourselves in this season asking God, all right, you know, I have experienced so much from you. 
What is it that you are asking me to arise to and to show? How am I to be a part of this next season? And maybe for me, you know, it's, it's, it's um, rising in faith. Even if practically it doesn't look like it's going to make a huge difference, I tell you what, your faith is what matters to God. And as our church rise up in various ways, lives will be transformed. And you can see that the church exists for a world that is lost to find the hope and the love of Jesus. And all of us have been that person at some point. But the beautiful thing is, Jesus then chooses to partner with those who He's encountered and He uses us to be His witness. He uses us to share His love. And I suppose at this time of the year, every year, the reason why we talk about uh, generosity in the lead up to this offering is because we actually believe it's pastorally appropriate and necessary for us to give people the space they need to hear from God. Do you know, in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about an offering that is being collected and he says this, I, he says this, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Do you know, it's not fair to just be like, hey guys, this week, let's do this. And we all just, you know, chip in what we can. That's not what we're doing here with our, our offering every year. It's not about chipping in and seeing what we can achieve. It's actually about hearing from God. It's actually about going on a journey with Him so that we can fulfill what we are called to as a church. And if you're part of our church, then you're part of the journey. And no two people will hear the same thing from God exactly about what you are to do. But between you and God, we want to encourage you to be prayerful, to consider to arrange whatever you need to arrange to be a part of what God is doing through our church uh, in this way and come with faith that on June 20, we come together and it is great joy because I'm not just giving some cash to help something that, you know, is, is a good thing for the community. I'm actually partnering with God to see the purposes of God over Horizon Church come to pass. And I'm led by this desire and this vision to be a part of what I've been blessed by, blessing others. And so I really want to encourage you to consider over these coming weeks what it is God would have you do. And I, do, I deeply believe as we come together and as each of us rise as God calls us to in faith, then what we are able to do together will help us see everything God has planned for our church and our community come to pass. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Hey, just before I finish, you know, this whole uh, verse that we just read there, it all begins by the love of, of God, the light of God shining upon a heart. You might be in this room and you are like, to be honest, like, you know, it's amazing what you're talking about and the lives that have been transformed and your story, that's cool. But I've never known the love of God myself. Well, first step, and there is nothing you need to do to earn this, is to receive His love, to let God's light shine upon you. You know, there is more for you, that God created you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And only in Him do you truly discover everything you were created for. And, and only in Him are you able to see everything that you were created for come to pass. And so what I'd love to do is just to pray for anyone who right now, if you're honest, are like, I, I, I don't know that light. I've never experienced that love. I've never known the glory of God in my own life. And I just believe that today could be the beginning of a journey that could change your life forever. So could I just ask everyone, just to close your eyes and give everyone a moment's privacy. And also so you don't get distracted and you can focus because I really believe that the Holy Spirit is stirring hearts right now. And you know, like me all those years ago, your heart might be racing. 
And you can sense that whatever's going on here is something that you need in your life. And I just believe that God Himself is reaching out to you and saying, hey, son, daughter, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. You've seen the light in your friend or in a family member and you've started to head towards it. Like today's the day where you receive that light in your own life. You say yes to Jesus. So just while eyes are closed, I want you to pray a simple prayer. A prayer inviting Jesus to become Lord of your life and to receive His light. So every eye closed, can we all pray this prayer? Particularly if that's you that's, that's really feeling moved this morning. Let's repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know that You love me and that You gave Your life up for me. This morning, I give my life back to You. I thank You that You died on the cross to forgive my sin. And you rose again, victorious over death, that I can have everlasting life. And I pray that today, that Your light would shine in my life, that Your glory would come and that I would experience You every day of my life and into eternity in Jesus' Name. Amazing. Just while your eyes are closed, you know, one of the things we're passionate about here at our church is walking with people in their faith journey. And we would love to just connect with you, pray with you, give you uh, some, a book of the Bible to read and learn about God. But just so we know who it is today who is at that point of their life saying, I'm ready to take this next step of faith. While eyes are closed, I've just asked a couple of people to help me so I don't miss everyone. Everyone else's eyes are closed. Could you let us know who that is? Say, today I'm making a decision. Open up my heart and begin this journey with Jesus. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've walked with Him and you've, you know today He's calling you home. He's calling you back. If that's you, just give us a wave. Amazing. Amazing. God, I just want to thank You so much for our church. Thank You for the countless people who have encountered You and experienced Your love here. And for the countless people who have been transformed uh, by this, by Your, by your, your presence here, God. The, the altars that are full of people being ministered to, God, and the, the stories that have come. And I just thank You that as beautiful as our past has been, I thank You that our future is even more beautiful that there are more lives, more testimonies, more transformation to come. And I just pray, God, that You'd stir us while it's our time to rise in faith, to carry out what You've called our church to carry out. I pray You'd stir our hearts. you speak to us clearly as individuals, as families, what it means to be a part of this season. And I pray, God, for a church that rises in faith so that we can see all Your plans and purposes come to pass over this coming year. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.